You're listening to the M2 podcast featuring one of our speakers from the M2 Summit, 3rd of November 2020, brought to you by Yukiwi Natural Oral Care, Woodford Reserve, and Lease Plan. It's time to introduce our next speaker. It's one thing to call yourself innovative, but it can be another thing to actually be it. Uh, yet it is one of the things that can be vital to creating new opportunities and value across all of our sectors. Our next speaker is one of those people that is actually living and breathing the concept. He has been a scientific advisor for the Rwandan government uh, before helping the R&D processes of many New Zealand companies through his work at Callaghan Innovation, Core and Core Innovation. He is also just quietly a bit of a wine guy, which suits his current role as the CEO of Wine Grenade. Please welcome to the stage Dr. Mark Altum. He bought some wine. All right. Thank you. Hello. Thank you, Andre. What a great introduction. I don't think my mother could have done it better than you. Uh, my name's Mark Eltham. I'm the CEO of Wine Grenade, and I realize on your, uh, on your pamphlet, it says Mark Eltham, CEO of Core Innovation. And I quit my job about a year ago, decided I'm going to be a consultant. I don't really know what that does, but I'm going to give it a crack anyways. And so I was working with a couple of wineries and things like this, and these boys gave me a call and said, eh, come for a couple of weeks, see if you like us, see if we like you. Nine months later, uh, I started as their CEO, it was pretty quick, uh, right before COVID too, so it was good timing. All right, there's three things I want to share with you today, and it's really about bringing you into my world a little bit, what we do at Wine Grenade, and show you some of the less known secrets of the wine industry. Sound good? I got a one yes, two yet three. Thank you. All right. First one is there's a massive, massive dilemma in the wine industry right now. And we're going to show you some data, which I think Yabel will love. Number two is what we're doing at Wine Grenade to address this dilemma. And number three is a secret. You can probably guess what it is. It's the only thing I really know about. And it's drinking wine with Andre, wherever, wherever you want. There he is. He'll be back. Perfect. Okay. Um, green is next slide. Yep. All right. This is the easy part of the presentation. We're going to ease into it a little bit. I want you to all imagine that you're winemakers. Overnight, you change careers, you're doing one of the coolest jobs in the entire world, but there's this huge, huge dilemma. You have to make your wine taste like it's been in one of those fantastic oak barrels. Pretty easy, right? You put the wine in the barrel. It's kind of how people do it. Except your dilemma is you're not allowed to use an oak barrel, which is a bit of the dilemma, isn't it? You got to make it taste like it's been in there because that's what consumers like without using it. So what do winemakers do to get around this dilemma? Well, for the past 30 years, even before Wine Grenade began as a company, they use this process, it's called micro-oxygenation. It's just a fancy way of saying you take some oxygen from a bottle <laughs> and you transfer it to a tank of wine. So you're doing what an oak barrel does, but quicker, more cost-effective, 
and it helps you integrate all those great things that Oak does. What do you think Oak does for a wine? Anybody want to take a guess? What's the number one thing an Oak Barrel does for your bottle of wine? Flavor. What's it make it taste like? Oak. Exactly. Yeah, it's not rocket science. So you make it taste oaky. It does cool things like it changes actually your perception of the wine, the organoleptic feel on your tongue, on the roof of your mouth, the aftertaste, even the color. It does all these great things. But here's the thing that's not the whole story, right? You can't just put wine with oak and expect magic to happen. What drives that reaction between the wine and the oak barrel? Any guesses? Oxygen. Yeah, I wonder why it's oxygen. That's right. Oxygen is life for us as humans. It's life for wine as well. Too much as humans and for wine, and it's dead, we're dead. Too little, same effect. So, faster, more cost-effective. Well, what's out there on the market at the moment? Sorry, I went one slide too fast. Why Mox and why now? Well, we just said in the last slide it's been around for 30 years. So, I mean, why'd we form a company? Why do we decide to respond to this challenge that's out in the in industry? And there's three big reasons. The first one is as consumers, we're super, super picky and we're super cheap. If you're like me, you go to the grocery store. I have a PhD in this, I should know better. But I go, I flick up the label, and I'm like, oh, only five bucks off. <laughs> oh, eight bucks off? I'll drink that, I don't even know what it is, but I'm gonna drink that, that was cheap. That's amazing. And other people do that too, it's so true. But here's some kind of cool facts. 95% of all wine sold around the world is less than $30 a bottle. It's consumed within the first two hours of purchasing it. And yeah, that's pretty quick, right? COVID has dropped that category off over $30, pretty much off the map. It's coming back on trend in New Zealand a little bit more, but around the world, wine's not really selling for much more than that. What that means, if you want to make wine for less than $30 a bottle, you want to make it taste oaky, you want to make it taste like it's been in a barrel, you got to use a steel tank. And that's where microoxygenation comes in. It leads me to my next point. Wineries are like any business, and every single dollar counts. Wineries' cost of productions, they're going up. Cost of labor is more. Cost of stuff is more in a winery as well. So for them to make the wine that we're not willing to pay more for, right? The cost of wine hasn't gone up. It costs them more, which is kind of bad for them. We also know companies are building more tanks, and you can see that if you drive in Marlborough or any wine region in the world, take a look out back on a winery, and you'll see these big steel structures, and those are tanks for the wine. The best thing, I think, about using oxygen in wine, and it helps respond to the industry's dilemma, is it unlocks the value of that wine faster. You can take a wine that would sit in a barrel for two years, you can put it in a tank in six to eight months, and you get into the market in time for Christmas or in time for Easter. So it's a really cool technique. Let's continue. Well, what's out there on the market at the moment? And there's, like, is there a space for wine grenade? Well, that picture 
on the left of each slide is pretty much the modern micro-oxygenation equipment. It's super capex heavy, so think about that. You're a company, and it's like 50 grand, 75 grand, 200 grand to put one of these things. You gotta be a sparky, a plumber, you gotta get the tradies out. And plus, it looks like it was built during the era of Atari. So it's not really friendly, that. Plus, it uses really, really old technology that hasn't changed in the past 15 years or more. So it's ripe to be disrupted, right? That whole thing of come up with a new business model, a new piece of technology, and that market demand. And that's where we come in. So Wine Grenade, before my time, they've been around for four or five years. I've only been there for eight or nine months. Took what was this really old technology trying to respond to a growing dilemma in the industry and just brought it screaming into the 21st century. We made it smart, we made it affordable. Affordable means OPEX purchased, really easy. Here's a credit card, go away, don't bug me again. Instead of a CapEx purchase. So what are our winemakers saying about us? Look, I see this every single day. I love the company and the people we employ, so I'm super biased. But this is what we're told what makes us better. And the key thing other than what's written on there, what's not written on there, is that core device, right? That white little box, it's like the size of a lunchbox, you know, about that big, weighs a couple kilograms. And the intelligence that's in that device, it's the only one out there that responds. So it's putting in some oxygen, it's going to the tank of wine, and the winemaker goes, I need more. How much does I put in? Well, we know down to the sub-milligram how much of oxygen we put in. You may not know what that means. That means it's ridiculously accurate. So we can tell you at any time how much has gone to your tank of wine, how far you've pushed those chemical reactions, how much you've integrated your oak, changed your color. Remember that word, organoleptic feel, and those qualities, we can tell you that as well. Next, we're a happy little startup. We've been quite lucky being in the liquor industry, and I'll show you why in a couple of slides, is what's, there's an old saying, uh, how's it go? In good times, people drink, in bad times, people drink more. There's a lot of wine being sold and a lot of wine made more cost-effectively than ever before. So we have uh, eight countries and we have distribution around the globe, which isn't too bad given they started about four years ago. Right. Well, how big is this market? So we've, we've looked at the dilemma, right? We've looked at what winemakers are having to face in their decisions of production. We've looked at what our competitors doing, and we've looked at what Wine Grenade's doing. None of that's important unless we have people <laughs> to sell to. Otherwise, we're just a cool little startup doing some fun stuff, right? Well, you could look at it this way, and this is one way to look at it. There's just a lot of booze being made every year, right? Between seven and eight billion liters of wine every year, and five billion liters of spirits made every year, and that's growing and growing and growing. Another way to look at that, that 8 billion liters of wine is made by 30 some odd thousand wineries globally. That's a pretty big market. 
Spirits is represented around 3,000 to 4,000 companies. That's craft distillers, that kind of stuff growing, including the big boys as well. So the market is definitely there, and it's huge, and we're only just scraping the surface at the moment. So what do we do? Uh, we can't talk about how good we are or how good we think we are without actually having a plan to continue to push us into the future. And we're working, uh, actually we haven't told anybody this yet in, in public. Uh, we haven't even told our customers, so why not do it here? Uh, we're working on our next generation unit, which helps us treat more wine more quickly, more effectively. So think, instead of treating one tank at a time, you have the same device that can treat four or five tanks of wine throughout the entire life cycle of production. And it represents, thankfully, a change in our business model as well. So you use more oxygen, you pay less. It's kind of like a phone plan. The next part, we're responding. What we've heard from our customers over the past one to two years or more is that, hey, that's great. You can put oxygen into wine, but make a sensor that tells me when enough is enough because I have so much crap to do every day as a winemaker. Going to the tank and tasting it and then giving you guys a call is not a priority for me. So we said, right, let's go away and have a think, which we've done. And right now, we're making two... Uh, completely novel, new-to-the-market sensors that's going to show up on their phone and tell them when their fermentation is approaching finishing or when there's trouble in their fermentation. And the great thing about that is to solve those problems during fermentation, remember what I said, oxygen for wine and humans alike is life. So we detect problems in that fermentation. It's pretty handy. We have the only device on the market that can respond to those problems in fermentation. So we're, we're feeling pretty good about it. It hasn't hit the market yet, but uh, we are looking for next financial year for that. And of course, last but not least, my absolute favorite thing in the world at the moment is spirits, in specific, whiskey. Whiskey's great. Uh, around the world, it has to go in a barrel at some point, right? And what happens when you put a liquor or wine in a barrel. What else do you need? Somebody's been, somebody can come up here and drink with Andre and us after this. Perfect. Wins the prize. Great. That's right. You need oxygen. It is the exact same reaction for wine in a barrel as it is for whiskey in a barrel. So pretty handy. Pretty good market. Aged spirits don't go up and down in production. It's just continuing to go up and there's not a lot of seasonality. So we're pretty happy about that. We have trials in the States on whiskey, some tequila in Mexico, uh, what's the other delicious stuff? Rum and uh, another rum in the Caribbean. Yep, right. That's the getting close to the end of my presentation. Last one, I want to say thanks to the team, specifically those people on the bottom, the directors who thought it'd be a really good idea to hire this guy. They didn't know too much about uh, at the start level four, which was great. We have, I think, some of the best engineers and coders and programmers uh, in New Zealand. And we are supporting uh, grads, specifically people coming up through school so we can grow them and try and keep them in our company and keep some of that talent here in New Zealand. And one last slide, which is to invite Andre. Oh, he's got the glasses, sweet. Um, any questions? I feel like I've 
I've been talking a lot. <laughs> okay, thank you. Oh, I got mine. Thank, thank you. you. Do you want to take a seat? I feel kind of yep. rude drinking wine in front of everyone else. Yeah, that's right. Uh, so I got this one this morning. And if you are in the neighborhood of Oreki, you should check out Great Little Vineyards. I feel like this is a promotion piece. It's not meant to be that way. Hmm. Um, they sell awesome New Zealand wine from around the world, biodynamic, organic, stuff like this. And this little gem I've never tried. So I thought we could try it together. Okay, that sounds, that sounds cool. And so we can, we can do a bit of multitasking. So if you want to take care of that, I'll ask you some questions. Yeah, I'll rub my well. head and... Yeah. yeah. Yep. So I understand that this is obviously very much about, about wine and the oxygenation of, of wine, but so we can go a little bit broader. And from a general sense, what, what advice would you have for, for businesses and for sectors to, to really look at the dilemmas and the hurdles that they have, uh, but then wait, but then also, are you trying to? Are you, anyway, I know, but but so you've got these dilemmas and you've got these hurdles, and they could, they could be like the next big thing. Anything that you would, any any advice there? Yeah, uh, if you're uh, if you're thinking uh, of going to that next bit of research or that next company you want to do. I mean, actually, can I ask a question? Okay. Okay. Here, enjoy, <laughs> by the way. Tell All me, right. Thank yeah, you. Yeah, your goblet of your health. Has anybody else got a glass? I feel a bit rude at the moment. Who won? Oh, that guy in the floral shirt. He won. He won a drink. Can, do you want to bring your cup up? Yeah. Okay. Can I? Do you mind? Sorry. I, I'm sure this is against host responsibility this, or something, this is, by the way. Yeah. Don't, don't drink and whatever. <laughs> Drive. There we go. There we go. Um, I'm sure everybody else on this table won, so there we go. It's a New Zealand wine. You're going to love it. I do Hawks feel Bay. like you're trying to avoid the question, by the yeah, way. Yeah, I'm pretty good. Pretty good. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so dilemma, opportunity. Dilemma, opportunity. Right now, what we're finding at, at Wine Grenade is there is a lot of people looking at New Zealand in terms of investment and in terms of funding for ag tech, fintech, anything tech, any startup. And there's the opportunity there to chase that funding down right now. They're, they're viewing New Zealand as a very good and safe country to invest in and a really good workforce and reliable country to run business in. So we're, we're definitely uh, capitalizing on that right now. Does that answer? Sorry. Yeah, no, that's good. Uh, sorry. That's good. Um, okay, so if we, can, if we can drill into that a little bit more. Do you think, like if you, if you are looking, because you have been in the innovation game for, for a long time, uh, any, any advice in terms of, again, businesses looking at the problems that they've got and really, you know, really honing in on, on how to turn those into, into something? Right. Now I get the question. Yep. So there is definitely 100%. The, what we found, if I can use an example at Wine Grenade, sorry, is, right. yep, is our winemakers were telling us for a couple of years that you know, this device is good, you can do one tank at a time, what else can you do? And there was a hesitation in the business uh, to invest, to put into that R&D, to put into the innovation. So part, one of the first things I did when it came to the companies was really bring those consumer insights to the board, to the founders, and to the shareholders to say, look, these what, this is what everybody's asking. And I guess it was a question of, 
do we want to continue to run the company as we are? And it's great. It's going to do its thing. We'll go and we'll sell stuff around the world still. Or do we actually want to grow this and make it better? What can we do? You know, we got this, we got this way of doing stuff, but how are we going to change it? Hmm. So it, yeah, it took a couple months. It's not like I just rocked up and had this idea and they believed me. Hmm. <laughs> yeah. So if we, look at, if we look at that focus on R&D in general and like this year, it can be pretty difficult because I guess you get the accountants taking control of the board and there's a, there's a reluctance to spend money on unproven ideas. Uh, had, I mean, is there a mindset thing that you go to the board with or that you even look at in terms of, in terms of yourself and how you're running the business? Yeah, uh, definitely. Um, if yeah, you have that exact problem that we did and it was to say, look, shareholder funds need to be used responsibly and in this way, uh, go to them with an option. And there's a lot of good options right now to get funding from the New Zealand government. If you haven't done it right now and you're running and doing any kind of research out there, check out MB, check out Callahan Innovation. So those grants and services you can get helped us actually hire uh, the grads you saw up there. It's offsetting uh, some of the costs for those engineers that you see up there as well. So to go to them and say, I can get 40% back of what we spend, do you still think it's a good mm. idea or a bad idea? If they don't agree then, then there's a problem with the idea, I guess. But that idea is potentially growing the value of the, the company, you know, it's increasing the IP. Uh, definitely, yeah. We're uh, shifting from, yeah, no, yes, definitely. It's, okay. uh, we that have, yeah, <laughs> Sorry. Yes. <laughs> uh, that was a bad close question. Um, if we look at your, at the end slide, or one of the end slides, um, you talked about some of the growth plans and then going into, say, aged whiskey and, or aged spirits. Is there, a, like, is there a certain discipline in not doing that all at once? Like just going at any potential market globally and then just blitzing it because you don't want competitors to come through. Is there a, is there a reason why you have staggered it? Yeah, he sounds like the investors we've been talking to recently, <laughs> we're getting two things. We're getting that question and don't do that, which is interesting, uh, depending on the risk appetite for the investors. Some of them look at what we're doing, trying to do those three verticals, like our new unit, the middle thing, which was data, and the other thing, and saying, you're crazy trying to do all those markets at once, just focus. But um, I think right now there's a good opportunity for us to actually go up to all those markets at once and say, look, we're still here, we're doing stuff, we're listening to you, and would you like to buy from us, please and thank you. Brilliant, mm -hmm. brilliant. All right, one last question, unless you wanted to talk about the wine at all, but yeah. one last question from me. Uh, again, like if we go really broad, general, but where are the green shoots of opportunity within New Zealand over the next few years, do you think, or just across any sector that you think of? Yeah, I, a good question. I was thinking about that last night, funny enough, was I think we're, we're quite well suited here in New Zealand. Uh, personally, I'm really biased, is uh, ag tech. You know, I kind of, I grew up in a small village, a few hundred people. Auckland's literally the biggest city I've ever lived in in my entire life, although I was told recently it's not a city. Um, <laughs> yeah. uh, so I think uh, ag tech, anything that can leverage uh, what most of the people in this country do, and that's farm, and farm very, very, very well. So anything I can build on that, obviously I'm biased because I love agriculture and wine and research. So, I, yeah, if one thing we could do, if people 
are ever going to listen to what I say, <laughs> is make it easier for us to get people to New Zealand, particularly now. There's heaps of good, really good engineers, coders, all that kind of stuff here in New Zealand, but by God, the pool is getting smaller and smaller every time we have to hire somebody. And there's great people overseas that want to come here and contribute to New Zealand. So I don't know, whatever that means. I guess just bring them in. Yeah, bring the visa thing. What do you think? Yeah, it's good. I mean, I'm not. I'm not really a wine guy, to be honest. So, uh, when you, uh, <laughs> but, but how do I bluff it? How do I? How do I go? <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm, I'm being authentic. Yeah. <laughs> no, it is. It's good. Yeah. It's good. <laughs> and if if you take anything away from from my talk, and it's it's try not to drink wine like a snob, and you mm. can say stuff like it's good because it's your personal experience and your preference. And if you just give that feedback to the wine company, right? Because they all think they do amazing jobs at marketing, which they do, some of them. And they all think they're making the wine that you want to drink. But unless you let them know, you know, mm -hmm. hit them up on their Facebook or Insta. The winemaker is usually pretty good. They'll, they'll have a chat if you want. Well, I am starting to get a velvety carpet aftertaste. Velvety. Too, so very good. Yeah. <laughs> Dead, wet dog <laughs> in there somewhere. What was something? No, maybe not. Brilliant. Yeah. All right. Thank you very much. Thank you for Thank your you, insights. Thank you, everyone, for listening. Yep. You're listening to the M2 podcast featuring one of our speakers from the M2 Summit, 3rd of November, 2020, brought to you by Yukiwi Natural Oral Care, Woodford Reserve, and Lease Plan.